Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to One Up, delivered through the AI podcast channel. I'm your host, as usual, Guy Drinkle, and joining me is Carl. How are you doing, Carl? Not too bad, Guy. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a while since we've done one of these, but you've got a regular gig now. I'm on every podcast, unfortunately for you, for you listeners. Um, but uh, we finally got around to do this, and I mean, we we've missed a, a couple of big things. Just, just a couple. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's this is true. You know, that might, might be the the biggest acquisition in gaming history that uh, we we seem to to miss out on. But we'll we'll, we'll get a chance to um, discuss it today because I've kind of snuck a related story into the news, so we'll we'll certainly get to touch on that. And Carl is not talking about the possible return of one versus one hundred on the Xbox because, you know. I will I will squeeze that in. Um but let's get into the news then. Um so the first piece of news is Xbox boss Phil Phil Spencer teases streaming sticks and Xbox Game Pass Platinum. Um we kind of I think when we were previewing the next gen I can't remember what the show exactly was called, but we, we discussed what next gen might look like and we kind of went down this route, probably more the way Stadia was first presented before people realised it's crap. Um, but this does seemingly make sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's so current uh, streaming. I mean, obviously, as you said, we, we've talked about Stadia a lot. We talked about the this for Xbox as far as Project X Cloud, and not so long ago we were talking about... Um, the was it Amazon? I'm gonna say was Lu- it Amazon? Lunar? Right, am I... Amazon yeah. Lunar is it? I think yeah, which was a slightly different approach, which kind of a kind of a channel system almost. I mean, so certainly, you know, companies haven't given up on um, streaming as yet, despite maybe the struggles of Stadia 
and Xbox is is really leading the way there, and obviously with with Phil Spencer teasing these latest products. So I'll get into the story. This one comes from Wesley in Pool over at Eurogamer. So go over there and read the full story from Wesley if you haven't already. And Wesley writes, in a recent interview, Xbox boss Phil Spencer said streaming sticks could be used to plug into TVs in order to play games via xCloud. Quote, I think you're going to see lower priced hardware as part of our ecosystem when you think about streaming sticks and other things that somebody might want to just go plug into their TV and go play via xCloud, end quote. Quote, you could imagine us even having something that we just included in the Game Pass subscription that gave you an ability to stream xCloud games to your television and buying the controller, end quote. Spencer also teased the launch of new tiers of Xbox Game Pass membership, including Xbox Game Pass Platinum. This would include free, guaranteed access to new Xbox hardware. As The Verge points out, Xbox All Access is an existing payment plan that includes either an Xbox Series X or S and 24 months of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. And you can get the full story over at Eurogamer. So does any of this surprise you guys, considering that you know, xCloud and Game Pass seem to be leading the way for Xbox as they move forward. No, I think it makes perfect sense. I think if we start with the um, Platinum, if that kind of, I don't know, if that takes over all access and and kind of rebrands it as Game Pass, I think it makes sense. I think in this, I'm not sure how it works in America. I think it might be Target which is obviously one of the biggest retailers over there. Uh, I might be wrong in that. But over here, I think it's Game and Smiths. So obviously Game is probably the first place you think of for, for, for games, obviously. But it's not exactly Amazon or, surprisingly, Argos seem to be quite popular in uh, in console um, purchasing. So I think if you rebrand that and you're more dealing with Microsoft itself, I think that, I think that makes sense. But I mean, Game Pass Ultimate. I'm not really sure what else they could do than other than I mean, Ultimate's already packaged live um, and Game Pass PC and, and and the console. Obviously, I mean, unless they're gonna announce it on Sony or something. I, I don't on PlayStation. I should say I I don't see what Platinum could be. Um, but so yeah, if it is if it is um replacing all access, I think I think that makes perfect sense. And if I remember correctly, all access was. 21 for the S and I think it was like 28 or 29 for the X so it, it's not it's not hugely different I mean um, Game Pass Ultimate's 11 so getting a console for an extra 10 or an extra 18-19 pound however much um, the X was it, it, it makes sense it, it makes sense if, if it's similar pricing Um, but in terms of the streaming sticks I think it makes sense I think I think that's the best way to sell streaming. I think going through your phone and stuff like that. Obviously, you 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 want that, and and if you if you commute a lot, especially on the train or the tube, or even if you're in a passenger in a car or something, and you take lots of long journeys, or even on a plane or something like that. I'm not sure how that would work, but um, it it just makes sense to have streaming as a 
it added piece rather than the main thing. And I think that's why Xbox's way of doing it is so much better than Amazon's. Obviously, not Amazon's. Um, than Stadia. Stadia. We don't really know what Amazon's is just yet, do we? It's very it's in its infancy, basically. Um, so that's why I think Microsoft's approach in, the, in this way is so much better than Google's. Um, so, and making it act like for me, for example, like if I live, or maybe maybe better for family life. If you if you live in a family and you want to keep your Xbox in your room. But say, I don't know, say if you're going around a mates or something, that's probably a better example. If you're going around your mates, if you don't want to carry around an Xbox like we did back in the day, you could bring a, a pretty much basically a Fire Stick. And we, we know the success of Amazon with Fire Sticks. If Microsoft brings their own version of that out, and instantly you've got Project X Cloud, I'm sure Microsoft could add other stuff in there. You could allow apps to go on there. Who doesn't? Who doesn't love a dodgy fire stick for your for your uh, IPTV and all that jazz? Um, so if they add, if they make it their own version of the fire stick, but it's got the added bonus of Project X Cloud, I, that, I think that could be a may not maybe not an entryway into gaming. But if someone moves around a lot, even if you like stay in hotels for work, you can you can take a. I'm going to call it the Fire Stick just because it's what everyone calls it. If you take around the Microsoft Fire Stick, branded, um, trademark, thank you, Phil. Um, I, I, I think I think it has its own personal market. I, I think I think it could really work. And I'm not sure what the price point would be, but you'd guess what fifty to hundred, depending on how it, how XCloud as a service improves. So I I think it just makes all the sense and it it goes the play everywhere moniker I think it I think it just fits that perfectly and and they seem to be obviously trying to find workarounds with um with Apple as well by making it making XCloud work in browser don't they so it's obviously it's obviously a big piece for it but it's not the main piece and that that's why I think it works better than Stadia Yeah I mean it's not so long ago that we were were still speculating over what the the Series S would be, and there were some early suggestions that the Series S would basically be a streaming box with a controller. And when it was revealed to be kind of a, a lower powered digital only console, you know, I'm not going to say that was a surprise, but you know, you were left wondering, oh, I wonder what what will happen as far as the streaming box goes. So the fact that they have a, a streaming box in mind as well and it'd be interesting you know to see if they'll maybe they'll be like a xbox series y or something like that i don't know what they might call it but uh, (laughs) a a little a little streaming box makes a lot of sense given the focus they're placing on xcloud and games pass and i mean when you consider that um people these days can be very minimalist you know a lot of people have kind of moving away from having even as you know whatever about boxed games but on top of that like a a console that takes up a notable space they'd much rather just have a little stick sitting in their tv and maybe a a controller sitting in behind the tv so i think this could appeal to a lot of people moving forward now as with anything with the streaming it comes down to the infrastructure Mm. this isn't going to be a viable option for everyone but it is a viable option for some. I mean, like, you or I could probably choose to have this as as our way of playing Xbox if we wished, because we have 
decent internet connections, but obviously if someone's out in the sticks and has a you know a one gig dongle, you know <laughs> this isn't for them. So it's it's going to take a little while until this is, is viable wide. But considering the amount of people who live in cities and that and would have sufficient internet connections. It, it, it is certainly a good option for, for Xbox to offer to people moving forward, and I'm sure it won't be too long until we see something solid on this. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think I think the I think this is what could attract like Sony users as well. Because I think there's plenty there's plenty of people, not the hardcore of Sony fanboys, but if there's if you don't want to spend the other Four hundred and fifty quid, five hundred dollar on an X, which I'm sure is a lot of people, especially with well, our topic of the day, Xbox's launch titles aren't great. But down the line, if you're um, interested in Avowed Fable, yada yada yada, but you don't want to spend the four fifty, you don't, you might not even want to spend the two fifty. But if you can get a a Fire Stick um, for fifty or a hundred, that that if you're in a privileged position and you're looking at a, a, a second or even third console, counting the Switch, I mean, spending that much on that and whatever deal you can get at um, on Black Friday is whenever everyone does the buying anyway. I, I think that could attract the, the 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 secondary console market, if that makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, certainly. I mean, obviously, Microsoft are attacking the market at a lot of different levels. And I mean, it's they haven't they're yet to, to even abandon the Xbox One S, you know, and it looks like that might be um, there for some time to come, maybe as a, a very entry level console for for possibly younger families and that kind of thing. So, I mean, they're they're really trying to cover all angles, and sometimes it, it can be a risk to stretch yourself too thin. But I think Microsoft, being Microsoft can afford to take that risk and you know if anyone can pull it off it is them um so i certainly think that this this streaming device could could uh tick another box and um you know it's it's no surprise that they're they're looking to to fill that yeah i i think that's kind of the you see the difference in the um the way both the big hitters in gaming world work i think sony it's obviously all on next gen console. Um, you need to buy. You need to buy a PS Five to have the best place to play your games. Obviously, um, Miles Morales and stuff's going to be on PS Four, but you're going to want the PS Five to play it. Whereas on Xbox, they obviously want you to buy a next gen console, but I think they're trying to go get in Game Pass. Just get in Game Pass. Come on, it's a bargain. Get in here, and that. <sighs> And that's why I mean Sony has the has such a long standing way, and that formula has worked since they made the PS One. And Xbox has obviously they had the the year head start with three sixty, and three sixty is the much beloved console. But the I mean the one has been shit, um, and the Series X. I mean I think the early signs look really promising, but they've started to market the software rather than the hardware. And I think I think they have to be I think they've had to think differently to Sony because Sony will win the console sales every year. 
And that's where the console wars comes from. But if you're going to start comparing, I don't know, say the end of next gen, 10, 10 odd years from there, and then we're all cyborg creatures, and we get all, we're all instilled with VR headsets from Xbox and Sony, um, which won't happen. But if then you start, then you'll probably be comparing console sales to how much money Game Pass has made. That's probably be the better way to make it to to um, to compare and all that jazz. So it'll be it, it's it's interesting. I think this just sums up the the two strategies. But it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, you're you're the Sony, you're the PlayStation guy on the on on this podcast. We saw is it, it's PS is it PS Plus still, or did they give it another fancy name? I think it's still PlayStation Plus. Yeah, they've obviously kind of revamping that for the next gen. Could could you see Sony adding adding more softwarey stuff? I think certainly we've seen early um, evidence of it already with uh, the PlayStation Plus collection that's launching with PlayStation Five, where you'll have a, a selection of uh, PlayStation Four games um, that will be free to play on PlayStation 5 if you have a PlayStation mm. 4 or PlayStation Plus subscription. And I mean there's been plenty of speculation on you know where where when Sony will look to combine PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now in a similar manner to how Microsoft have and how they might expand this PlayStation Plus collection uh, to to eventually be more of a, a Game Pass type thing, mm. you know, with a, a much wider selection. And I think they really have to, as much as they think they're still going to to sell more hardware. You know, hardware isn't the be all and end all, and you know you can you can certainly make make a lot of money with these subscriptions if if they're priced mm. right and um marketed right and I, I think i think it is something they're gonna have to do and mm. I've, I've thought that for for some time i mean but you know say as as you said you know game pass is clearly central to, to xbox and, and their strategy moving forward and you know you alluded to something at the front end of the show that very much may play into that and, and strengthen that further and our second story kind of gets into that somewhat. So I think it's a, a good good chance to segue there. So second story, Wolfenstein Dishonored and Prey collections rated for Xbox Series X. This comes from Michael McWerther over at Polygon. So go over and read Michael's story if you haven't already. And Michael writes, eight Bethesda Softworks games released as two separate compilations titled Wolfenstein Alt History Collection and Dishonored and Prey the Arcane Collection are coming to Xbox Series X according to new ratings from the Entertainment Software Ratings Board. The collections will also be available for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One according to retail listings. The Wolfenstein Alt History Collection includes Wolfenstein The New Order, Wolfenstein The Old Blood, Wolfenstein 2 The New Colossus, and Wolfenstein Youngblood. Dishonored and Prey The Arcane Collection consists of Dishonored, Dishonored 2, Dishonored Death to the Outsider, and Prey, Arcane's 2017 reboot. In August, Bethesda committed to bring Doom Eternal, which launched in March, and The Elder Scrolls Online to PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. The publisher said at the time that players who already own the games, either on PlayStation 4 or Xbox One, will be able to upgrade for free. And you can read the full story over at Polygon. Now, I mean, we, we 
there's been a lot of speculation at the at the time, obviously, of when Microsoft purchased Bethesda as to how they would approach um, the the use of the the new exclusives, potential exclusives that they'd acquired. And there's been some division in the industry. Some people speculated that not much will change, that they'll just bring the games to Game Pass, which obviously is massive for Game Pass, don't get me wrong, but that the games will still release day and date on PlayStation, or at the very least, maybe there'd be a, a slight timed exclusivity. Others, you know, said not at all. Why wouldn't Microsoft just keep all these games for themselves and and take that edge over PlayStation in terms of exclusives? And then some, which included myself, thought that they might take a little a middle ground in that they'll still bring the larger titles, the Dooms, Fallouts, the Elder Scrolls to PlayStation 5, but maybe that they cherry pick the odd the odd kind of smaller game, maybe a, a maybe Prey 2 or, you know, uh, the next game from Tango Works, obviously after Ghostwire Tokyo, which funny enough is still set to be a mm. PlayStation 5 timed exclusive. Um, but something on those lines, a small, a, a, not a small game, it's still a AAA title, but like a, a game that's not The Elder Scrolls. And I thought that might be a nice medium or indeed collections or possibly a game of the year edition for example going back to Deathloop and um, Ghostwire Tokyo when they eventually come to Xbox assuming maybe that they have some DLC that the Xbox version will be like a definitive edition or a game of the year edition with, with the DLC bundled in as compared to the to the PlayStation version, which would just be the standard, I I thought that would be a nice medium approach, and I think this this is at least these collections, which obviously aren't coming to PlayStation Five, seemingly, are at least a suggestion that that could be the case. Although this just, as some people might say, because it fits their nar- narrative, that maybe this is a suggestion that you know, this is going to be the way moving forward and that all Bethesda games will be exclusive to, to Xbox platforms. What's your take, Guy? I've kind of flip-flopped on this. I, I, at first, I thought they'd go kind of similar. I thought they'd still release Elder Scrolls and um, whatever Skyrim remakes they do next on, the, on PlayStation and then maybe keep even like something as big as Doom 3 or Wolfenstein 3 as an Xbox exclusive. and um, But now I'm kind of thinking, I know it's Microsoft and they have endless amounts of money, but do you really drop $7.5 billion, I'm pretty sure that was the number, um, dollars on Bethesda, then don't use it to your advantage... I mean, there's still there's still the Game Pass out there. You can get it day one for eleven pound subscription, rather than spending seventy dollars. But you could just go. Xbox could just go. The next Elder Scrolls is only on Xbox and PC. I I think that gets you both the hardware and the software sale. Whereas. I mean, we kind of met, we did, I know I've kind of contradicted myself from the first bit there where I said it's all about software, but why don't you have your cake and eat it too? Um, but I, I it, it's so early, like, I think 
the way fit, I think they're still making that decision themselves, to be honest. Because whenever, whenever I've heard interviews with Phil Spencer, they keep dropping the line case by case, and obviously it's like, well, Elder Scrolls Online and Fallout seventy six is obviously going to be on PlayStation, um, and and the timed exclusives you mentioned, you mentioned, um, but it just it just depends. I mean, did they just quickly want to make back that seven point five, or did they want to make the Xbox? an absolute staple and actually challenge PlayStation for console sales because this kind of leads into the last one. Do do Microsoft consider Sony to be their main rival or do they actually just want to protect themselves from Amazon and, and Google? Yeah, I mean, that's certainly a, a question to be asked. I mean, there are some, some people um, in the industry, particularly... Um, Colin Moriarty, like I listened to his um, podcast, Sacred Symbols, um, on the regular, and he's been convinced for some time that, you know, five years from now, you'll be able to get Xbox Game Pass on a PlayStation platform. And he fe- he feels this, this, this move of purchasing Bethesda is, is further evidence of that. Um, now, it'll be interesting to kind of see if this has possibly changed his mind and I haven't quite heard his reactions to, to this move as yet. Um, but I, I suppose really, as, as you suggested, we, we don't quite know yet. All we know really is that, you know, they're honoring past agreements, you know, Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo will be timed exclusives. Doom Eternal and The Elder Scrolls Online will come to PlayStation 5 existing Bethesda games of the previous generation will be forwards compatible with PlayStation 5 and of course you know that these that includes these co- collections which are coming to PlayStation 4 but it's interesting to me that you know that that it it is PlayStation on PlayStation 4 now some people have have excused that by saying well look these games are already available singly on playstation 4 what's the harm in making them available in the collection there's no no point to holding them off but i think there would be a point to holding them off if this was a long-term thing where bethesda games are going to be exclusive to xbox consoles once we get past you know kind of any previously agreed deals so I think this is maybe just I'm sticking with my opinion that I think they'll they'll pick and choose maybe you know kind of put collections or kind of definitive editions as Xbox Series X exclusives but you know keep a large part of their titles on both consoles um you know because I think if they were as I said I think if they were going to make that move at the extreme of making everything exclusive to Xbox I just don't know why these collections would be coming to to PS4 mm. but again I suppose time time will tell ultimately but let's focus on what we do know and you know the game pass like how how big is it to have all these Bethesda titles seemingly coming day and date to game pass like game pass was already the best deal in gaming we talked not so long ago about how ea's games are going to be coming to, to game pass like their their game pass offerings are, are going to become to coming to xbox game pass and now you're adding the bethesda library and future bethesda games how, how huge is that guy it's absolutely massive like <clears throat> i, I kind of mentioned it quickly but Star Starfield's probably the better example because that's rumored to be out next year. 
I probably think 2022, but if it comes out next year, regardless of Bethesda's recent patchy games, let's go with, with, with Fallout 4 and 76 being, let's say, underwhelming. But, <clears throat> I mean, it's probably more to do with 76 this, but just kind of making a game where you have to sell microtransactions and stuff like that, does that limit how good a game they could make? But let, we'll, we'll see. Maybe Microsoft will let them off the leash a bit with that because you're trying to sell Game Pass rather than um, microtransactions, obviously. Um, but it is absolutely huge because let, let, let's continue with the Starfield thing. Starfield next year. That'll be the biggest game of the year because it's Bethesda's first new IP in however many years. Um, I'm not even sure what else could come out next year. God of War 21? Was 21, was it? Yeah, 21 at mm. the moment. We have doubts about that as well. So maybe this will be a 2022 discussion. <laughs> um, but if they both come out in 21, that'll be they'll be the two biggest games. Obviously, God of War will sell the PlayStation. But we mentioned this when 2K announced that uh, NBA would be 70 quid or uh, or $80. If Xbox can go, eighty all the Xbox exclusives day one are on Game Pass, and Bethesda normally have at least one big release a year, if not two, some years. If they go, here's four Game of the Year contenders a year, where you're going to be spending seventy quid on each, or you could spend a subscription fee for Xbox. I, 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 that that's just huge, and I think that's what will attract people to Xbox. Maybe not instead of PlayStation, because people are comfortable on their console. But even if even if Bethesda games do go on PlayStation, I mean, even Doom Eternal, which reviewed really well, I think it was getting nines and ten, nine out of ten, and all that jazz from everyone. Would you pay seventy quid for any Doom game? Personally, no. I mean, mm. I do enjoy Doom games, yeah, sure. but I, I know they're not the longest games, exactly. um, and I have little interest in the multiplayer in this day and age. So, um, no, not for me. Um, but a lot of people do. In fairness, a lot of people, you know, went out and got Doom Eternal day one. Um, so I think they do have that uh, that audience that are willing to to pay full price. But I mean, mm. of course, they're going to prefer to get it. Uh, day and date for free so yeah. you know if, if we presume there's going to be a doom 3 of this new mm. run of doom games it might not be play, called doom 3 but it, you know whatever it's going mm. to be called um if that's day and date with game pass i'm sure people will be jumping for joy yeah Absolutely, but say, say Starfield comes out next November, I imagine there's going to be a huge spike in Game Pass subscriptions, even if it is for a month or two months. That that's still that's still eleven quid ahead, even if it is for two months and they cancel it straight away. That's still Microsoft making a shit ton of money, so it, it's just great. And I think it's the back catalogue as well that's gone in straight away. I mean, we saw Doom Eternal go in on the first of this month, I think it was. Um, whenever Skyrim next-gen version comes out, that'll go in Game Pass straight away. Um, 
Fallout 76 was already in there, but that's in there if you ever fancied giving that a go. The next Fallout will be in there. It, it's kind of endless, and even the games that... <laughs> Wolfenstein is probably a better example for me than Doom. Like, I've all, like I loved um, the old Wolfenstein, not like the 2D thing, but it was one on Xbox 360, I think. I can't remember if Bethesda made it, but it was before... Um, the one and no, two, it one was. And two um, I think Raven Soft that, made that it. it. Um, yeah. I I played through it. Yeah. At the time, they also did Quake Four. Um, I know the very one you're talking about. I I played um through it as, as well, and it wasn't bad at all. Um, it was a solid entry, and I'm just double checking that at the moment. Um, yeah, it was done by Raven Software. Mm. So that that's kind of where I that's the. I've played the new. Oh, I've played the first of the new ones, and then it got took off Game Pass. I assume it's back on there now, so I might go back and finish it. Um, but this way, I can go. Wolfenstein's coming out on Friday. I have nothing to play. I'm getting it anyway because I've got Xbox Game Pass. I think it's. I think it's just going to work wonders, to be honest. Like even for the established Xbox fan, I think it's just. I think this is the reason why Xbox people like Xbox. <laughs> like, obviously, we're never... Well, we might do probably, let's say, three years. You could probably reevaluate reevaluate the, the quality of um, exclusives. But since Game Pass has came in, it's like we finally have something over Sony. <laughs> and it's great to have. Um, but yeah, Bethesda and... EA play getting added. It, it's just, it's just massive. And there's even rumors of other acquisitions. I don't think anything Bethesda sized. But if if they keep adding to this, I mean, Sony has Naughty Dog, and it might be a bit of quality over quantity. Um, but one of them's gonna make a good game for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it is in, insane. I mean, I've just been rattling off names in my head there. Um, you know, you've got Doom 2016, Doom Eternal, Wolfenstein, uh, the, the New Order, Wolfenstein the Old Blood, Wolfenstein 2, the, the New Colossus, Wolfenstein Young Blood. Um, you've got um, Rage 2. You've got Fallout 4, Fallout 76, Skyrim. You know, that that's an insane list, you know. And then, obviously, Xbox has backwards compatible. So what if they decide to delve into 360? You might have Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas, Oblivion, The First Rage. You know, even, even Morrowind back on the original Xbox is forwards compatible. So maybe that's going to be thrown into Game Pass. Just get that full Bethesda library on there. Like, it's it's insane what they have there. Like, the older Dooms are another option. Like, it, it is crazy. Like, it, it, it's just turning what's already an amazing deal into just a, an unthinkable deal. But you, you talked, there's one more thing I want to ask you on this guy. You talked a lot about Starfield there, and obviously in recent times, Bethesda's RPGs haven't been as lauded as they, they once were. You know, Skyrim's kind of the last high point. I mean, Fallout 4 disappointed many people. Fallout 76 disappointed nearly everyone who played it. You know, pe- people talked about how Seda Project Red, you know, out Bethesda 
Bethesda with The Witcher 3. People talked about how Obsidian out Bethesda. Bethesda with The Outer Worlds, which was like a, a what mm-hmm. they prefer see from a follower game. Yeah. Now Bethesda are going under that Microsoft stable. Now they're not part of Xbox Game Studios, but you know, obviously they're they're going to be working uh, alongside them in some form. Xbox have a couple of RPG studios in there that the aforementioned Obsidian and also in Exile. And, you know, I wonder how that will benefit Bethesda in that, you know, maybe some friendly competition, maybe a little bit of collaboration. Could we potentially see, you know, obviously Obsidian are working on Avowed at the moment, which could be another game that out Bethesda, Bethesda. But could, could we potentially see Obsidian's next project be a, a follow-up to Fallout New Vegas? You know, Ooh. could we maybe see an Exile work on some Bethesda properties? Um, you know, one of Microsoft's other studios. I mean, the, there's a real opportunity there to, to, to take advantage of this with their, their other studios as, as well as Bethesda. Well, I kind of want to reverse that question. With um, uh, 343 struggling, and obviously 4 and 5 have been, uh, Halo 4 and, 5, 4 and 5 have been letdowns, and um, Infinite... Let's be honest, it's ruined the console launch and it kind of embarrassed Xbox on its biggest stage pre, pre-console. pre Wouldn't you like to see a Halo game in id tech? It could definitely be the, the move and, and, you know, I, I use the engine, using the engine as a, a no-brainer, but I mean, could it even go further? Could, could we see id you know or maybe not even id themselves but perhaps uh machine games you know obviously who who work on wolfenstein could could mm. we see them do some sort of halo spin-off i mean the mm. you know but I, I think we could talk for another two hours on the potential with this deal like what it could mean for microsoft what it could mean for bethesda i mean i think it just strengthens the position of both ultimately and and both can can improve a lot off the, the back of this. Yeah, I think the possibilities are endless. But, I mean, <clears throat> before we move on, I mean, what what do you make of the deal itself? Because we, we brought up the um, uh, Warner Brothers potentially selling their gaming side of the things. There's obviously other deals they could have done, they could have bought. I don't know, I'm not sure how much Ubisoft was worth, but I'm just going to use them as an example. Do you think Bethesda was the one in, in the gaming sphere? I, I think as far as potential deals that Microsoft could could do, I mean, it, it's difficult to say who's available and, and who's not, but presumably if you can convince, uh, you know, a, a group like um, ZeniMax to, to sell all their shares to you, you could, you could convince almost anyone. Now, I, I imagine uh, Ubisoft is, is going to be even more expensive than a Bethesda, but there are ones that are, would be cheaper than Bethesda, say like a, a Capcom, um, mm. which you know would would uh, for a long time people have said um, you know that Microsoft needs to do something to strengthen their position in Japan, and that could well have done that. You know, bringing the likes of Resident Evil and um, Is that Mon- Mega Monster Man. Hunter? Yeah, and Monster okay. Hunter under under the banner. And to be honest, like let's be honest, Microsoft are the one company who could have done this Bethesda deal in the, in the gaming space. 
and they're also the and the one company who who could probably do more. So you know, if if I read tomorrow morning that they've they've purchased Capcom, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Um, I mean, it would be big news, and I'm sure we'd do a podcast about it. But nonetheless, you know, they they have the finance to do that. So you know, maybe that's another move that could have made sense. You know, given the the drive, it would would make for them um, in terms of um, their headspace in Japan. But I think Bethesda in terms of like kind of the big publishers in the West yeah, probably made the most sense because I think they have a lot of common grounds with Microsoft. As we've already touched on, you know, Microsoft's known for its shooters with Gears of War and Halo. Bethesda has it and Machine Games. You know, they, they also have Arcane who do a lot of first-person shooters, you know, obviously with a bit of a, a twist to them. Um, and then obviously they have, as I said, in Exile and Obsidian, Bethesda have Bethesda. So I think it makes a lot of sense in terms of the common grounds between the studios. Sometimes some people might say, well, they already have those genres covered. Why do they need more? But I think it makes sense in the way that the two groups can work together to, to strengthen each other's positions. So I think it was a, it's a fantastic move by Microsoft. And I, I can't think of, of any that, that would have been better. Yeah, I think bar sneaking dick and naughty dog off Saudi somehow. I don't think there's much else you could do, is there, really? I think, as we say, Bethesda... I think Bethesda um, Gameworks itself has had a couple stinkers, but Aid Doom's well-received. Wolfenstein Youngblood was a bit of a letdown, but the, the other two previous have, have been hugely popular. Um, Evil Within has its audience. Um... What else have we got? I mean, you listed them two seconds ago, and it's already gone out my head. But Prey, Prey, Dishonored. Uh, Dishonored, Christ, yeah. It, it's just... It's it's just that I think the, the opportunities are endless, really. And I think... I think it was I think it was the right buy. Um, and you're not going to buy EA, are you? That's not even true. That'd probably be a lot more than Bethesda. Um... I mean, maybe you could hopefully nick bio, or let's say save bio from EA, that would be nice. Um, but I'm not sure how that would work unless EA wanted to sell bio. Um, but yeah, I, I think it makes sense. I think Capcom, I think Xbox have ties with Sega, so that would probably be the route in, really. But I think Capcom would be the one. You, you mentioned the franchises there. It, it, it's just huge. Um... So yeah, yeah, I think um I, I think I think it's great. And I don't think it's finalized yet because finalizing something that costs seven and a half billion takes a while. But uh yeah, I whenever it is finalized and we and we get the first it's not an Xbox game, but Bethesda under Xbox umbrella, it hopefully it's a good one. Hopefully it's a good one. Especially Starfield, because to me, at the minute, Starfield is just a game that's not making Elder Scrolls, <laughs> which is kind of a, a nuisance to me. So, hopefully Starfield's good. Um, but shall we move on to, to the news? And, um, well, we kind of mentioned niche audience at a time there. Probably the most nichest audience, or nichest wide-scale audience, is 
Hideo Kojima games, and I just butchered his name though, uh, there, but um, he is working on a new game, The Crazy Man. Yeah, so this story comes over from Joseph Scrabbles over at IGN, so be sure to read Joseph's story if you haven't already. And Joseph writes, Kojima Productions has confirmed that it is working on a new project and is hiring, quote, best-in-class talent, end quote, for its Tokyo studio. Confirmed on Twitter, the studio explained that, quote, a new project is in development and is looking to hire the best-in-class talent to work out of our Tokyo studio, end quote. The game itself is something of a mystery at this point, with only vague clues listed on the Kojima Productions career pages. There are mentions of 3D model production for, quote, weapons, gadget, vehicles, mechas, end quote, and desired experience with, end quote, or sorry, quote, event control systems in RPG, end quote. But there are very few specifics beyond that. Kojima himself has repeatedly hinted at and scuppered the idea of potential new games to follow Death Stranding, revealing that he's been watching scary movies to inspire a new horror game, quashed rumours that he was making a new Silent Hill game, and potentially teased a Death Stranding sequel. And you can read the full story over at IGN. So I don't think this really tells us what the game is. It doesn't feel that long ago that we were talking about how um, he had revealed that a potential new project had been canned. So obviously this is something new and different. A horror game has long been rumoured, but that is an obvious link to make, given how much Kojima loves horror movies and how obviously he was originally slated to make Silent Hills. Um, I mean, it's interesting to me that it talks about vehicles, weapons, mechas. Could this be kind of like a spiritual successor to Metal Gear Solid, maybe? Or am I reading too much into things? Um, well, the unfortunate thing is I don't think we know anyone who played Death Stranding. <laughs> so I think we've we've obviously looked at it a bit and just kind of... That's Kojima to the Kojimaist. Um... But it, it, it it's just interesting because he seems to have, since moving away from Konami, he just seems to have more of a free reign, which it might be a bit much for some, but if you like that stuff, you like that stuff. But I think that's what most people would want. They'd, they'd want a Okajima Metal Gear Solid game to, to be as close as possible without the actual franchise part of it. And... Um, Obviously, it'll have Norman Reedus as the star. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it, it's it's good that it's not a Death Stranding sequel. I mean, I, I didn't get around to Death Stranding. I still do want to give it a try, and I've heard good things. But I, I'm, I think there's only so far you can you can bring a game in which you're delivering packages. <laughs> um, so I mean, I, I think that's a one and done type game. Um, I mean, if it's a horror game, great. I, I definitely excited to see what Hideo Hideo rather can do with a horror game. I'm also would be happy to see some sort of spiritual successor to to Metal Gear, but I think they're the two obvious choices in in terms of speculation. But this is a man who's never obvious. He's got a lot of other games in his repertoire um, that, you know, are very, very different. I mean, a lot of people have talked about The Snatcher recently and how 
you know they'd love to see like a, a modern day remake of the snatcher and that would be be pretty exciting um but i mean that's just one example of a game that's very different that hideo has has worked on so i think we're just gonna have to wait on this one so we get more solid um information but whatever it is uh, you can bet your ass it's it's gonna be batshit crazy and that that is literally like you could put your mortgage on that it's it, it's it, it's gonna be mental like even metal gear solid it it had so much crazy stuff, and I barely played it. <laughs> uh, but we'll move on. Um, Assassin's Creed uh, Valhalla DLCs head to Ireland and Paris. I mean, it's a bit... Well, it's not strange, I suppose. It, it's kind of becoming norm, but we're going on a European tour as a Viking. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I won't lie. I, I snuck this one in because I'm just personally excited for this due to my own bias <laughs> um and I'll, I'll explain why in a, a moment but i'm sure people can already guess um so this comes from tom phillips over at eurogamer go over and go over and read tom's full story if you haven't already ubisoft has detailed the assassin's creed valhalla season pass which includes two large expansions set within ireland and france the first, Wrath of the Druids, is due spring 2021 and sees you tracking Druids, exploring Gaelic myths and delving into Irish history and folklore. The second, The Siege of Paris, arrives summer 2021 and chronicles a key moment in Viking history while concluding the legacy of Ivor's clan. You'll also get a bonus quest of Valhalla's launch next month, The Legend of Beowulf, and you can get the full story over on Eurogamer. So... I did when this game was first announced, and knowing that it kind of took place in you know Britain and I think kind of the is it Western Norway, I believe. Yeah. Um, I did wonder if at some point you'd be able to go to Ireland, given you know how what a part that plays in in Viking history. I mean, I'm from Dublin, and Dublin is partly consisted of a, a former Viking settlement i mean they're, they're very more very much ingrained in our history and it, you know it, there was that potential there but i thought who knows you know maybe they won't go too far with the the dlc given you know they, they've already talked about how they, they feel odyssey was already too long and its dlc was quite long but I'm, I'm very glad that they have because the idea of getting to play in one's own country particularly when one's own country is not in a lot of games is really really exciting i mean i i was out of interest i googled games that that take place in ireland and a lot of them are either sports games because of stadiums or golf <laughs> courses or some RTSs, which is a bit of a reach when Ireland just happens to be on the map. And then a few games that I, I can't really... Like, apparently Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, which is a game I played through and I, I can't remember a level set in, in Ireland, so that's pretty strange. Um, there's also some broken sword games there's also puzzle games that wouldn't really surprise me but it wouldn't really interest me either um but but and folklore which i suppose makes sense because irish folklore you know inspires a lot of things but all in all there's there's not a lot of games there 
um, and not a lot of games of, of note. So it's, it's really exciting that I'll, I'll, you know, that people like myself will, will get that chance to, to delve into their own countries, although likely exaggerated history and, and folklore, um, all the same. It's, it's a lot of fun and it's, it's nice that, you know, that this game is taking advantage of the fact that the Vikings were well traveled and giving us kind of some diverse settings rather than the last two Assassin's Creed games that were kind of set in around the same place. I know spoilers, Odyssey goes to some crazy world, you know, that, that, that seems to, to um, be inspired by, by Greek fantasy, but all in all, it still feels very Greek. It's not a different country. So um, I'm, I think it's a, it's a cool move. And, you know, even putting my bias aside, I, I still say it's a cool move. I and mean, what's your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it's kind of similar for me because it goes to the north of England. I think every game England ever involved, it's simply been London. <laughs> I mean, you see Watch Dogs 2, it's like the shittest Cockney accent you've ever heard. Um, so, yeah, I think obviously um, Northumberland, uh, I think that's one of the confirmed areas but obviously was uh one of the kingdoms within england back in day um i believe it's northumberland and i'm not making myself look stupid uh but yeah it, it, it is really cool and i've i really liked origins um i think we've had this conversation many times on the pod i, w- I tried to go back and finish odyssey but it's just just such a big ass game <laughs> i just can't be asked um but the fact that they're kind of slimming it down and adding the DLC to all the hardcore people who want to put 300 hours of game uh, game time into an Assassin's Creed. The fact that they're going to Ireland, which, I mean, it's not it's not going to be... Well, it might be a bit different because it's a, it was a kingdom back then, so maybe the, the Celtic feel of Ireland, maybe more Greenland and, and built up kingdoms and stuff like that. It might feel a bit different. Maybe Norway and Ireland feels a bit samey, but Paris, I mean, we saw it um, in uh, Unity. Obviously, very different yeah. time, da- different time periods. So, um, it'll be interesting because Viking history um, or Nordic history is not really, it's not really one that goes outside of the mythology, is it? So, we all, I think, a lot of people have watched Vikings and stuff like that. But it'll be a bit, it'll be interesting to see how. Vikings historically fit in. Obviously, we know they're invaders and stuff like that, but it'll see how far-reaching it is with, with going to France. So, I, I'm I'm quite looking forward to this. Like, I always look forward to the Assassin's Creed games. I think the only one I've the only couple I've not played are Rogue, which was half on 360 gen, and Syndicate because it didn't look that great. Um, and I think I've finished most of them. I just haven't finished Free and Odyssey. Let's be honest, guy. You didn't play Syndicate because it's based in London. I mean, you, you've clearly established your bias against games based in London here well, today. Like, so let, 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 let's call it. As it I is. liked Grand Theft Auto London, the top-down one. So you know, but <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to Watch Dogs Legion. To be fair, but the accents are terrible in the trailers. Um. Yeah, it, it, it it's going to be interesting. It, it's going to be interesting. As I say, I always look forward to the Assassin's Creed game, and I think some people have the samurai one, the one. I, as soon as the Viking one was rumoured, 
and it's been a long ass standing rumor. I was just like, just, just, just release it. I'll buy it. Like even if it's like just, just a like a MP3 file, I'll buy it. I'll just listen to the game. Like it, that early in development, I just listened to the fuckers making the game because holy shit, I, there's not been many good Viking games. I think there's been like a. I can't remember what it's called, but there was that the game called Viking back on 360. Um, oh, that was a spin-off of the Total War series? I think so. Yeah, Viking Battle for Asgard, yeah. Yeah, I think that was it. And then there's obviously, um, is it Lord of the Fallen, is it called? It was like a, a Souls Viking setting, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, Lord, Lord, yeah, Lord of the Fallen. Yeah, that was a kind of a long, launch... Maybe it was a launch game or kind of launch mm. window for the PlayStation Four. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I'm aware of that as well. But yeah, there really hasn't been an outstanding Vikings game in any sense. So I mean, the best be one is For Honor, probably. Um. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices. Down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Potentially, I mean, I, I, it's 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 a somewhat of a, a Viking game in that, like, it deals with with uh, Norse mythology. Um, is um, uh, Senua's sacrifice? What? Why am I? Hellblade. Hellblade. Yeah. Yeah. Blanked on the the for the start of the title. Hellblade. Senua's sacrifice. Kind of, you know, it's it's Norse mythology, so I'm saying it's Vikings. You know, that's yeah. a that's that's probably my choice for the best Viking game thus far. No, I did, yeah, I didn't really think of that one, but it probably is. So I mean, it will be interesting with uh, sacrifice. Said it was um, Hellblade, Christ Hellblade Two coming out next year. But we, yeah, I think we mentioned it a couple pods ago. Um, settings and um, historical places go around in circles, don't they? We had the samurai one with uh, Ghost of Tsushima, so Vikings might be in the uh, in the games for a couple of years. Uh, but I, I'm I'm all right with that. Um, 
so that's pretty much it for the for the news and uh, the topic that we were going to do. And I assume you figured out by the title of the podcast is we're going to go through the uh, launch window, not not just for Xbox and and um, PlayStation exclusively, but the, the the third party games as well. Um, so Carl, I mean, we don't just want to list them, but is there any that you want to pick out to start with? Yeah, so what I figured we'd do is we'll start with cross platform. I'll quickly list them off and we'll we'll maybe talk about the you know the the few highlights for us and then we'll we'll do the same for Xbox exclusives and, and PlayStation exclusives. So um for cross platform we have Watch Dogs Legion from Ubisoft Toronto, Dirt Five from Codemasters, Assassin's Creed Valhalla from Ubisoft Montreal. Devil May Cry Special Edition from Capcom, Madden NFL 21 from EA Turbaren, FIFA 21 from EA Vancouver and EA Romania, Maneater from Tripwire Interactive and Blindside Interactive, NBA 2K11 from Visual Concepts, Observer System Redux from Bloober Team, Planet Coaster Frontier from Frontier Developments, WRC 9 FIA World Rally Championship from Kyloton. That is a strange name. And then Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War from Treyarch and Raven Software, which comes out on the 13th. So it's actually three days after the launch of the Series X and a day after the launch of PlayStation 5. Um, so what, or a few days after rather for it's coming out for PlayStation 5, but we'll we'll count it nonetheless. Um just some people might think that certain games are are missing. I, I didn't include any games that are simply coming as free upgrades. Although technically Maneater will be a free upgrade to the existing versions. They are also releasing a retail version for PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X, which I felt qualified that. I mean, just based on me initially listing them off there, Guy, what what exactly jumps out to you? I was going to say why the hell Cyberpunk not there, but fair enough. Um, out of that list, I mean, we obviously just talked about Assassin's Creed Valhalla. It probably is that, but for the sake of entertainment, I will not say that. Um, mm, it's not a a hugely great list. Um, I mean, COD, I do like Treyarch CODs, like World at War is probably my favourite, and the early Black Opses were... We're good. I don't think they were quite as good as Modern Warfare, but um, uh, Modern Modern Warfare One and Two, I should say. But uh, they were they were still fun. Um, maybe Black Ops's impact on Warzone, because I think there's there's some cool stuff they're adding, like um, Field of View on on console in the first COD game ever, and someone like myself who has absolutely shite eyesight. That is very welcome news. <laughs> um. So, do I be boring and just say COD? Because there's not a huge amount there. I mean, between COD and FIFA, so it's not a great list for me. Um, I mean, if we're being honest, COD is probably going to be the best seller of that list of games. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, I think my mate's already pre-ordered it for us, so I'll be playing it. Um, But I'll say COD, but 
maybe for the campaign more than anything. Yeah, yeah, no, I'd be intrigued. I'm a big fan of Raven Software. I mean, we were only talking about their Wolfenstein game earlier, and uh, both of us were obvious fan, obvious fans of that. So, I mean, it, it, it's nice to see them get a go at the the campaign. So, I mean, I am very intrigued by that, and I mean that is what brings me to Call of Duty games these days. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I... When initially buying the new Modern Warfare, it, it, the campaign was mainly the, the the draw for me. Obviously, I've played a lot of Warzone and a decent amount of multiplayer, but I think the campaign's still the most enjoyable bit because you can't really be shit at a campaign. I am very shit at the multiplayer, <laughs> multiplayer and, and Warzone especially. Warzone is it's just a hellish, it's a hellish experience at times. Um... But yeah, I mean, is there anything you're looking out for there? I mean, you you mentioned you you snuck Creed in to the news um, just for it, but I think that's probably the answer for both of us, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think Assassin's Creed is uh, Valhalla is is likely top of my list. I, I'm also intrigued by um, Watch Dogs Legion. Yeah, so. and similar to self eventually, I'd, I might give the campaign a Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War a, a look, um, because I do like Raven Software. Um, Observer System Redux looks decent. Um, is that the Bioshock ish type looking thing? Yeah, yeah it's like you're kind of a detective, and we talked about it before. Um, on a pod, like it looks. I like Bluebird Team. They're they're you know they're also working on the the medium, which is probably a game that's um I'm even more excited about. Um, but there really isn't um much else there. It's kind of a weird lineup when you look at it. I mean, obviously, like watch. Dogs Legion, Dur 5, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, um, the sports games, and Black Ops are all, you know, kind of cross-gen games, you know, which you expect at a launch. They're, they're games that straddle the generation. They're never going to be the the best games of the next gen because they, they have to deal with previous gen as well. Um, you know, Devil May Cry Special Edition is basically what should have been a free upgrade um, mm. as many games. I'm not a big fan of that. I don't like how no, control yeah, is handling things. I don't like how, you know, I suppose I'm not too miffed by the Spider-Man thing because it's just kind of almost like a, an add-on for like an ultimate edition rather than a full-priced game. Um, but it's still not ideal. And, you know, obviously Maneater, they are offering that free upgrade, but then they're also allowing you to buy a retail box for the PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series X if you so wish. So that's fine. But I mean, there's not really... The, the only game that's exclusive, as far as I'm aware, to the next-gen consoles is Observer System Redux. Planet Coaster is launching new on the launch date of the Xbox Series X, but it's also launching for Xbox One and PlayStation 4. So it's, again, it's going to be a cross-gen game. So, I mean, there's not a lot from the third parties to say you have to go and buy a new console. Obviously, if you want to play the best version of Assassin's Creed Valhalla or Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, you're going to have to play them on next-gen. But if people look back to Black Flag and to Call of Duty Ghosts, they weren't all that much better on PS4 and Xbox One mm. compared to PS3 and, and Xbox 360. Maybe they'll have learned from that and there will be more notable uh, improvements here. 
But I, I still don't think that there's a hell of a lot here, really, that, that screams you need an X-Gen console. I'm sure that will change in a few months, I have no doubt. But for now, just looking at the lineup, and that's what we're doing today, I don't think there's a lot there from those third-party offerings. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, obviously, you've not listed it there because it's it's still a last-gen game, technically. But does, do any of these games put in a dent in the in the cyberpunk hype because um i think creed comes out on the 10th so the the day the xbox comes out but nine days later on the playstation 5 uh release day in the uk and ireland um cyberpunk's out so i mean for most people if, if you're fortunate enough to get two launch games is it going to be nine days of assassin's creed then cyberpunk no, I mean, I still think for me, in terms of like the core games industry, I still think Cyberpunk's probably the, the biggest game to come in the fall. I mean, obviously, Call of Duty will sell more because of its appeal to, to a wider range of audience. But I still think Cyberpunk could be the, the game that's that's on the everyone's lips at the, at the end of the day that they'll be discussing. And obviously, it's... It's a kind of free upgrade for, for next gen as big as well. And, and there are obviously, as I said, I left, I didn't include games of free upgrades, but there are plenty that, that are coming day and day. And there are some that will be coming further down the line, which I, I suppose in a way expand the, the, um, the library somewhat, if you want to look at it that way. Um, but no, I, I don't think, I, I still personally think that, um, you know, Cyberpunk will be uh, the the big game, even if it's not the the best selling game of of fall. I mean, what what what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. I think games like these they don't just they just really don't they don't get in the casual audience. I'm not sure if like Skyrim or anything like that. Maybe in a lifetime thing because it, there's like a hundred versions of it. But does even a game like Skyrim match COD on on that year? Probably not, um, unless I'm just chatting bare shit, as the kids say here. Um, but yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting, and obviously Cyberpunk did, maybe with the Netflix series of Witcher, it might grab more of a casual audience than we expect, possibly, coming from the same um, developer, obviously. Um, but I'd, I'd, Coddle, sell, Coddle sell the most, because it's a new game, whereas FIFA's had its... It, it, it's, um, it's an initial bubble, hasn't it? So, yeah, that Cyberpunk will be the biggest and best game, and COD will sell the most by a long distance, I imagine. Um, shall we move on to Xbox and maybe Xbox's lack of launch titles? Yeah, so we've here we have our Xbox exclusives and the timed exclusives. So we'll start with the timed exclusives. We have Tetris Effect Connected from Monstars and Resonair. Um, that is sort of like an enhanced version of Tetris Effect, which will be exclusive to Xbox Series X until sometime in 2021. It's all downhill we've, from it. <laughs> yeah. We have Yakuza Like a Dragon from the Ryu Ga Gotoku Studio, um, which is exclusive until March 2nd, 2021, when it will launch for PlayStation 5. But it is available 
from the start on PlayStation 4, but if you obviously if you want the next gen version, it'd be exclusive to Series X for a few months. We have Enlisted from Dark Flow Studio. We have Manifold Garden from William Kyer Studio. Now again, Manifold Garden, the original version is available on the PS4. But the enhanced next-gen version will be exclusive to Series X for some time. And we have Warhammer Chaos Bane Slayer Edition from Eco Software, which will be coming to PlayStation 5 sometime in the future, but for now is only available on Series X. And then getting into the exclusives, or seemingly exclusives for now... We have Bright Memory 1.0 from FYQD Studio. Obviously, we talked a lot about this at the, the previous Xbox event. Obviously, this is the original version of the game, which is an early access, but there is an enhanced kind of follow-up, which will be coming in 2021, which is also going to be exclusive to Xbox. We have Yes, Your Grace from Brave at Night, which the original version is available on Xbox One and Switch. But this next-gen version will only be available on the Series X and Series S, of course. The Tourist from Shin N Multimedia. Similarly, the current version is also available on Switch and Xbox One, but the next-gen version, which will be only on the Xbox Series S and X. We've got the Falconeer from Thomas Sala, which for now appears exclusive to Xbox platforms. We have Battletoads from Dalala Studio and Rare. And we have Gears Tactics from Splash Damage and The Coalition. And as you said, Guy, it's it's a little bit lacking. Particularly, you know, there, there's nothing there that, that stands out as a, you know, you must mm. play this game, really, is there? I mean, Gears Tactics probably looks the biggest title on the list. Yeah, I think it does. Um, that's obviously been out on play, uh, not play, so PC for, uh, I think it's in September. I might be wrong and not, uh, but it's been out for a little bit on PC, I believe. It, it's got a, I, I was going to say a Halo sized, well, maybe not, maybe not size, probably right, but a Halo shaped hole's probably wrong because, as I meant, as I alluded to earlier, Halo 4 and 5 have not been that great, but th- th- it, it's missing a game the size of Halo. It really is. Whether, I don't know, if they had a chance to redo it and maybe if they got Ninja Theory, would they have wanted Hellblade to be a launch title? Or would they have just made sure Halo wasn't half a year behind? I know there's been I know there's been a pandemic, but if you were 3-4-3, it's your third crack at this whip. You'd probably want to not ruin a console launch. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it's, a very, it's a very weak launch lineup. And I think that's been the problem. That that's been the problem. But it's been a, I was gonna say perceived, but that makes it sound like there's some there's something deeper to it. But it's right that the this series, the this generation of consoles, that the exclusives have mostly been dog shit for for the Xbox. Like the best Xbox exclusive in my eyes is fucking Titanfall One, <laughs> which is an EA game. So you know. Um, it's not great. Like when when Xbox when Xbox people saying our our racing game is better than yours, yeah, cool, <laughs> good one. Um, and and to kick off the new the new gen with 
no big exclusive. And the exclusive they picked was Halo. Halo should have died three, two games ago. Should have died two to two games ago. Like, four was pointless, five was pointless. I loved Reach, but uh, obviously it had nothing to do with the Master Chief, so if you let Bungie make their own game instead of Reach, God knows what they could have came up with and maybe they would have been happier at Microsoft. Um, but that's if, buts, and maybes. But Halo 3 was the perfect ending and Halo Reach was, albeit one of my favourites, that was all. I think that was already pushing the boundaries. But to make extra games like that, and another console launch after two gens of a Halo game, sometimes you just gotta let a game die. <laughs> um, you you obviously have historic um relationship with Xbox, but what 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 do you make of the strategy itself? I mean, we we mentioned the sales of Game Pass and stuff like that, but the the plan was always Halo. Or bus, seemingly. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a, I like what Microsoft are doing with their, their services and stuff. And we talked about that earlier. And, and you know, I'm not going to repeat myself there. But I, I think in in terms of the the launch lineup for the Xbox Series S and X, I I, I think they've kind of let themselves down here. I think the final, you know, Halo Infinite alone wasn't great. But then delaying Halo Infinite was kind of a, a final nail in the coffin as far as a lineup, like an exclusive launch lineup goes. Mm. I mean, like people buying their, you know, 99% I'd go as far as saying of people who will be buying their Xbox Series S or X will not be buying an exclusive game at launch. They'll, they'll likely be buying their Call of Duty or the FIFA mm-hmm. or both or, you know, whatever, Assassin's Creed Valhalla perhaps. But it's not, they're not going to be buying, you know, to to buy the Falconeer or the Tourist or Yes, Your Grace or Battletoads. Um, you, you know, Gears Tactics might attract a handful of, of kind of hardcore Gears fans, but that is is really it i mean it's a very you know like yeah if i was getting an xbox at launch which i'm not you know i'm not sure obviously i'd have game pass so i'd be playing the games off that but let's say game pass wasn't a thing i don't think i'd be tempted by a a single game Mm. on this list and that says a lot unfortunately i mean i'm sure with game pass and stuff the Xbox is, it's, uh, we already know it's selling really well. The pre-orders are very strong, but that does not excuse what is a very poor launch lineup in terms of, of exclusives. I mean, is there anything for you that you would be looking to, to play? I know, again, you know, let's pretend Game Pass doesn't work, doesn't exist for a moment there. Would there be anything at all here that would tempt you to, to pick it up? Um... Maybe if Assassin's Creed didn't exist or Cyberpunk didn't exist. I mean, no. I mean, if if, if it wasn't for Game Pass, I'd not play any of these games. Maybe I'd pick up Gears Tactics on the cheap one day, but not as a launch title. Um, I think the most interesting game there is probably Bright Memory, and it's not even the, the full release, as you say. I mean, the, the, the uh, proper release is coming out a year, so... Yeah. 
And if it's going in all access, that would probably realistic mean it'd cost twenty to thirty quid instead of seventy. But as a, as a launch title, is a game in progress really that great? Not really. But I think we were both really impressed with that initial footage we saw at. Um, it might have been I can't remember what Xbox show it was, um, but it, I think it was the one before the console announced uh, the big summer event, wasn't the, it? The third party and in yeah. the indie one, yeah, yeah. yeah no, it was a very, it was an awesome showing, um, to to learn that such a small team, this is like a one man team almost, um, had created it. Like it is, it is a very, it's very intriguing. But again, I don't think it's going to be something mm. that's going to make you rush out to to buy a console. Well, that that's the thing. It's not exactly Spider Man, is it? That that's the thing. Like it, it'll be a good game, but it's a game in progress. And if you if you didn't watch that um, Xbox event, who the who the hell knows what bright memory is? This is very true. Um, and I mean, you, you mentioned Spider Man there, so we'll we'll jump ahead to, to PlayStation Five. So to finish out here, the PlayStation Five exclusive slash timed exclusives. But all these happen to be exclusives for now, or at least we, we know them to be exclusives for now. That could, of course, change. There's Astro's Playroom from Team Asobi slash Studio Japan. That's preloaded on PlayStation 5 consoles. We have Demon Souls from Bluepoint Games and Studio Japan. We have Destruction All-Stars from Lucid Games. Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales from Insomniac. Sackboy A Big Adventure from Sumo Digital, The Pathless from Giant Squid, Bug Snacks from Young Horses, and Godfall from Counterplay Games. Now those last three are the ones that I'm I'm not sure maybe they could come uh, to Xbox somewhere down the line, but for now they are being pushed as PlayStation exclusives. I mean, this is, and we've talked about this lineup on a previous show, I mean, it's not like an amazing, you know, kind of dream launch lineup, but it's a a strong enough launch lineup. And and you know, comparing it to the Xbox lineup, there, there's really no competition there, is there? Yeah, absolutely not. Um, it 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 just smashes it out of the park, really. And the the bad thing is, you could you could take out one of Demon Souls one or or Spider Man, and it'd still be much stronger. Um. I mean, Godfall, if that was Xbox, that'd be the best one. And we laughed at Godfall last year, <laughs> which kind of sums it up. And it's, it's as you say, I mean, this obviously this is the PlayStation segment, but it is disappointing from Xbox's point of view. Um, but onto the PlayStation, but it is very strong. I think launch lineups don't tend to be the strongest. Because you kind of want to work out the kinks in the console. Uh, maybe you don't want to push it too much in case, obviously, Sony and Microsoft have done their testing. But, I mean, <laughs> do you really want something pushing the boundaries of something? Like, I'm sure, the obviously, I not first-hand experience, but The Last of Us and all that, making the PlayStation sound like a jet uh, plane engine. Do you really want that on a launch console? Probably not. Um... So yeah, it, the, I think these are the games that ease in, ease into a into a console, and most and obviously some of them uh, across gen as well. So for me, it depends. For me personally, I think Spider Man's the obvious one. But if you're a, a Souls game fan, 
I, I imagine Demon Souls remake has been very long rumored, and I'm sure people are just are just dying of anticipation to play that game. Yeah, so I mean, I think that, as you said, they are the the biggest two. I mean, the 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 people that are part of that Souls fan base, that's likely going to be their go to. For the vast majority of others, it's it's going to be Spider-Man Miles Morales, and I think they'll be the the two best-selling exclusives, um, by some distance. Um, but with that said, I mean, I think Sackboy: A Big Adventure appeals to kind of a younger audience. I mean, we know the Little Big Planet games that were quite popular, and they, they even attract an older audience as well. And similarly, Bug Snack seems to be catching on with people. I mean, uh, obviously, a lot of people were were fans of Octodad, and you know, I think Bug Snacks has some clever marketing with the you know kind of the music, and uh, also with the way they've they revealed their their massive voice cast, which has a lot of notable names from um, kind of the voice acting community. So. I mean, I think those two games will will definitely appeal to the to the younger audience, and I'm sure Godfall and and the Pathless will find their audiences. The the two uh, or the one, sorry, that I'm very unsure of still is Destruction All Stars. That was a game that mm. I still think, why isn't it free to play? It it just screams free to play to me. It does not scream pay seventy euro or, or sixty foot mm. pound or whatever the case might be for me. So I do have my doubts on that one, and I think that could be one we could see drop in, in price quite quite rapidly. But the rest, I think, will will certainly find uh, their audience. I mean, if you were getting a PlayStation Five at launch, and let's say you you could. Um, Let's say outside of Spider Spider Man, um, what what would be the the game that you'd you'd be most likely to pick up from this lineup? Probably Godfall. Um, I I don't do Souls games. <laughs> I do not have the control on my anger, shall we say, on normal games. Never mind. Games that are designed to beat the living shit out of the player. <laughs> uh, so yeah, souls out for me. But Godfall, even though we've, I don't think we took the piss. We just said we're not sure what type of game it is. Um, is it meant to be a Destiny clone? With that looks like it's taken bits from um, God of War. I mean, I think we both said we'd give it a go, but it's just the price tag. Are you going to pay seventy quid for? For a game like that, where it looks like other games you've played, and there's not really a unique selling point to it, but if I was to ra- if I was to rank the launch games, and I'm going to count Cyberpunk into this because we have to really, I'd probably say Cyberpunk one, um, Creed, and then Spider Man, and then. As kind of an asterisk, if you're a if you're a Souls fan, I imagine that's very much in the top three as well. Yeah, certainly. I mean, just to to kind of put it in in focus. I mean, obviously you're getting an Xbox Series X at launch. I don't know how many games you intend to get with, and I know obviously mm-hmm. you can do game sharing, so you get some that way. But let's just put that aside. And let's say you're your Xbox Series X. Mm-hmm. You're getting three games from this launch lineup for your Series X. You know what? What are your three? I I, I think I'd stick with the three. But if we're, if we're not going to count Cyberpunk, um. Creed 1. Christ, it is weak, isn't it? <laughs> um, 
I am focusing on the third party here. <laughs> uh, Creed 1, Watch Dogs 2. Um, I can't even, did you say Godfall? I'd probably have to say, I'd probably have to say COD. To be honest, uh, maybe bright memory just to avoid COD. <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of what I was uh, expecting from you. I mean, for my PlayStation Five, assuming I get to secure a pre-order, which I'm, I'm still trying even at this late time, but I, I'd say for me it would be Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Spider-Man Miles Morales, and Demon Souls. I mean, probably the obvious answers for me as well. Um, yeah, no, it. I mean it. It's it's clear that PlayStation Five has the the stronger lineup, but I'm not sure it'll it'll hurt Xbox. In that, I think the people who are going to get an Xbox are still mm. going to get their Xbox because the the Game Pass is going to be the selling point for them. Maybe more than ever now with the uh, the recent uh, Bethesda acquisition. But I mean, it'll be interesting. You know, in a few weeks, I'm sure we can do a podcast. We we'll get an idea of kind of which were the better selling games at launch, and I think it'll be interesting then to kind of look back at this and, and see kind of um, how we fared in terms of our expectations. Yeah, absolutely. And even in like, say, maybe not a year, but say next next December or something, see how the first years compare. I mean, if it is Hellblade 2 versus God of War 2 and whatever else, it it, it, it could be a more interesting discussion, but I think, we, I think everyone will be in agreement. The Xbox launch period is a lot weaker than the... Uh, the PlayStation one, but give it a year, we we might actually maybe nothing of God of War's level, but we might actually have something to talk about. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Yeah. yeah, but uh, that's where we'll finish up. Um, won't go into it too much, but is there anything you've played recently that's a bit out of the ordinary? I finally did what I said I was going to do, and I've been playing Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm about eight hours in, and it's a uh, an excellent game but you know i've been a bit meticulous so i'd say in that eight hours i haven't gotten probably as far as as one would expect to get in eight hours but i'm really enjoying what i'm playing so far and i can see why the the game is as popular as it is it's an excellent open world rpg it looks wonderful the the characters are great the action is a lot of fun and the story is intriguing. I mean, this is a a great game based on what I've played so far. How about you, guy? What have you been playing lately? Um, uh, the usual bunch. Um, Overwatch, COD. Um, but one interesting one, and it's interesting for multiple reasons, but probably not the time. Seeing as we have to rush on to another podcast, I started Wasteland Three, which is obviously in Exile's last third party game. It's it's so disappointing because it's a broken game. And it might I think it's more so because I have an Xbox One S and my mate has an X and it works fine on his. But on the S and obviously the original Xbox One, it, it's it's so broken. It, it just crashes all the time. Like characters can put down turrets. If a character puts down a turret, it breaks the game. Um and it's such a shame because it, it it's really fun when it was working for us, but we had we simply had to stop playing it because we couldn't progress. Pe- people started using turrets, and man, you had to turn off auto save. That was apparently one of the fixes. It, it, it's such a shame because when it when you could actually play it, it was a really good game. So 
um, it was much more enjoyable uh, as, as a co-op thing as well. So if you've got an Xbox Series X or a PC, um, it might be one to check out. But for what it is, if you've if it, I don't think it's going to be worth the uh, the crashes. But hopefully, in exact in in exile, finish it or um, fix it. I should say. Um, but Christ, it, it's such a shame because we, me and my mate, are really enjoying it. But it's it's not worth the hassle. That's certainly unfortunate because I've heard a lot of good things about the game, but I wasn't aware that it, mm. it doesn't run properly on Series S. So that would kind of rule me out of trying it out because yep. that's my Xbox console. It is a shame. It is a shame. But hopefully, in Exile, more money with Microsoft. Hopefully less of a rush. I think it was Private Division who uh, published that, so hopefully Microsoft don't um, ruin the... Well, hopefully give them platform to improve future games. But we're going to have to finish up there, Carl. Um, so thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, hopefully we'll be back sooner than the previous one. Uh, I think we have a show plan to go through the, the current gen of consoles and See how they compare, and as the Xbox part of this podcast, that's going to be fucking brilliant. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.